Hey everybody, what's up? It's Chase. Welcome to another episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show here on Creative Live. You know the show where I sit down with incredible humans and I do everything to unpack their brain with the goal of helping you live your dreams and career, hobby, and life. My guest today is the one and only, the inimitable Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk. Dear friend, goes back uh, 15 years together. He's been on the show. He was on this show when he was a wine guy back pre-YouTube. Uh, with his first book, Crush It. We've had a long history, and this conversation is exceptional on a handful of points. One, we talk about his new book called 12 and a Half. Subhead is leveraging the emotional ingredients necessary for business success, which is out now. Uh, we also talk about the concept of being patient and being tenacious. Tenacious. How do you balance those two things? We talk about the underserved, undermet, underrealized fact that emotional intelligence is not only uh, similar to or equal to some of the uh, hardcore tactics previously thought of in, is as critical in business, but the, how emotional intelligence is actually the new alpha. Uh, of those two, the, the dynamic between those two worlds. Um, I think this is Gary's best work, uh, this book, uh, 12 and a Half, the idea that emotional intelligence, like creativity, the things that are difficult to explain, they are the most powerful. Gary does a great job talking through that. And we also go into NFTs, which uh, if you are aware or not, I promise that you are undervaluing the world that NFTs will be. This is a great primer, our conversation today. So I'm going to get out of the way. Yours truly and Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk uh, coming at you right now. This episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show is brought to you by Creative Live. Look, after a successful photography career and directing and shooting all over the world with the top brands, I started to feel a tug in a new direction. What if I could share everything I learned across more than a decade and help other creators and entrepreneurs navigate their own journeys more effectively? I kept pulling on this thread around lifelong learning and in 2009, I started Creative Live. Creative Live is the world's largest and best platform for creative and entrepreneurial education. Creators and entrepreneurs, hobbyists to full-time professionals have all leveled up with their careers and their lives through taking courses on Creative Live. And to be fair, they also make this show happen. They make it possible. And if you don't know anything about Creative Live, I encourage you to check it out right now. This is where Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, the best of the best teach photography, video, art, design, music, and audio, craft, and maker classes, plus the ability to make a living and a life in any one or all of those disciplines. Now, since day one, Creative Live have been committed to sharing free content 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So there's always something there playing amongst our 10,000 hours of content. The real win is the subscription. Now, you all know that I'm a huge believer in the power of habits, and you've probably heard me talk on the show about how small daily choices add up to design and create the life that we actually live. Now, Creative Live, as a sponsor here in this announcement, wants you to know that they have a new powerful way to make education a part of your daily routine. That is the subscription that I was just talking about. How can you get the Creator Pass? And with the Creator Pass, you can find new areas to develop your skills. You don't have to worry about just buying one class. This allows you to improve your craft, consider making money if you want to with whatever it is that you're trying to do, to pull on your own threads of curiosity and explore. If you're ready to invest in yourself and take the reins for this one precious life that you've got, then 
Subscribing to Creative Live is designed to push you in this direction. Sign up for Creative Live today. Gary Vaynerchuk, welcome to the show, bud. Thank you for having me, my old friend. <laughs> old? You call me old? I am, but you look great. <laughs> you're you're Thanks, old buds. and gorgeous. Nice to see your face again uh, on on the screen here. It's been a little bit. Uh, yeah. You've been you've had a lot cracking lately. First, congratulations on Christie's. That's a huge Thank deal, you. dude. Thank you, Gary V. And Christie's, like man, I thought I had you on Phillips to Puri. I did an auction a long time ago. And now you're just rolling in off the top <laughs> turnbuckle at Christie's. Uh, <laughs> congratulations. That's in the NFT world. Um, but before we go to NFTs, you got a new book that's coming out, man. And I don't want to beat around the bush because I'm. I think this is your best work yet, and uh, I'm curious uh, if you could tell us a little bit about it and why you wrote it. First of all, that's like so huge to hear from you because I know you well enough to know what that statement means. And it's funny, I've been quietly and I haven't been publicly, so talk about you know why I admire you. I think you have a really good read on this. I do think that the only book that was like this was Crush It!, yeah. I, I felt crush it, you know, much like many people's first album, right? Yeah. You have your whole life to write it. So I had quote unquote a lot of things to say and a, new things to say. And during a time of transition in the world, you know, the economic crisis, social media. So this, I really got into my feelings in a different way and really mm -hmm. asked myself, like, what is it that allows the insanity of like, the Christie stuff, the, you know, I'm, when you're 45 and now you can say, okay, I've put more than half my life down in my professional years and boy, this is really going well and I'm happy, right? It's not just like friends that we have that have done well financially, but are not happy, right? We know that. There's a lot of them. Yeah. There's a lot more of them than the world believes or knows. And so, you know, I have for over a decade now, been passionate to share and talk. And I feel like, you know, COVID, right? You get to get, you know, you have time to think and I'm at a different pace. And I think I finally kind of put down in a really fun format, which was really the thing I was most scared about. Like, how would I structure these feelings? And um, I really talk about what I believe, which is emotional intelligence in business is the advantage that being kind doesn't mean you get walked all over and you're bad at negotiations. You know, that, that optimism matters, that accountability, pointing a thumb at yourself versus a finger, especially if you're an owner where you hired that person. So what are we doing here? You know, and so, yeah, really, I, I'm actually, you know, sorry to like throw this in a different direction, but like would love to Dude. understand why you think that's the case. Well, I long have believed much like, for example, creativity, the things that are soft and very difficult to explain often get written off. But I'll give you a, what I think is a, a good analog, which is social media. 15 years ago, naysayers were saying that social media did mean shit and, what, and it was something to write off. But what we know now is that it was this, virtually the same then as it is now. And yet the thing that was missing was our business culture's ability to measure it. Correct. As soon as, as soon as the technology allowed people to measure it, 
all the ad dollars came flying out of television into social media because it was the fast, the most personal, the smartest, and everyone knew everything about it. And so it was all of a sudden what used to be just like literally six months or 12 months before was just like, oh, it's too fuzzy. It's social media became the shit. Yes. And what what we what I see now is the same thing. It was very easy to measure a PL or to measure uh, you know, someone's performance on these eight KPIs. And yet we've all seen businesses that have the KPI shit in the bag or leaders that check the boxes. I can manage a PL like, you know, tell the cows come home. But what we can't measure, but we know because we see it in the best leaders and the best creators and the best entrepreneurs in the world is emotional intelligence. And I think you've written the first book that underscores it. I think I, I wrote that book in creativity and I, I think that. you wrote it. I think you wrote it in emotional intelligence. I appreciate it. I'm really proud of it. Like I really, you know, for everybody listening, I created these scenarios because that's where everything comes from. I'm, I'm more of a listener than I'm a talker, which always, you know, makes people laugh or freak out or disagree. But I always remind them, I'm like, you only see the content I put out and post produce very effectively. Like most of my day is the consumption of information. And a lot of the scenarios are baked in the, at this point, hundreds of thousands, if not even millions of DMs, emails that I've received over the last 15 years of this journey. And, you know, there's just some really complicated stuff out there, right? Like stay at home mom or dad who still has a lot of fire in their belly and like, what do you do here? And like just all sorts of fun stuff that I went through. And, you know, I really talk about accountability. Curiosity was a fun one for me to explore. You know, I, and so I, I structured the book out of these 13 ingredients that I think really give somebody a real shot in the business world. And it's a life book in that way too. Mm -hmm. I called it 12 and a half because this one really caught a lot of people off guard. Gary B, the character, the public domain speaker and pontificator and content creator, very good at candor, too good. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk, the CEO and human, very bad at it. That's why I called it 12 and a half. And I called it kind candor, my journey to making kind candor a half from a zero was because I started calling it kind candor instead of candor, because I saw, back to your point, I saw candor for a long time as an excuse to be mean, I saw candor as something that often created fear. But what I didn't have yet was the maturity to understand the vessel that candor was being delivered in was the vulnerability. You know, my, my father was rough with his candor delivery. A lot of managers that were in that store were. Many people I came across in business in the 90s and 2000s were. The candor wasn't the problem. The, the vessel that was delivering the candor wasn't kind, wasn't empathetic. Um, but now that I've got a better sense that of that separation, and then I was very self-reflective. All the things that weren't working for me always pointed back, always pointed back to lack of candor. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I talk about these ingredients. I talk about scenarios where three or four of them. It's really fun to show people that ambition and patience can be played out in the same scenario. People think that's a contradiction. You know, and and so I really went. I really went there. You did, you did, and of course, if you're uh, if you haven't clued in yet, we're talking about Gary's new book, Twelve and a Half: Leveraging the Emotional Ingredients Necessary for Business Success. But I'm going to add. I'm going to extend your subhead a little bit. I would say business and personal success. Yeah, I think uh, that's right. You know, it's a business book, and we have the same publisher, Hollis. Yeah. Um, 
and yet these skills, most of the people who listen to the show are identify as creators, entrepreneurs, but the, what I have learned is that these same, the same authenticity, transparency, the emotional ingredients that make one successful in business are absolutely critical to, to, to life. Think about the relationships that you have. And I'm wondering, did your emotional intelligence develop because of business or did your business acumen and emotional intelligence develop because of, because of Gary, the human? It's so weird. It's such a fun question. Thank you. My brain immediately goes into man. It's hard because this was all happening at six and seven and eight and nine. You know, I talk yeah. a lot about this. I'm not sure people believe it, but this has been a very big theme amongst my friends and relatives lately, probably because of the Christie's thing. You know, you, you sit there and you have an event where like five of your drawings sell for a million dollars and, and, you know, and you're up there and you're out selling Pollock and Warhol and you're like, what the fuck? And then, and then, and then you go through the feelings of like knowing people are, if I'm what the fuck, then many people are like, this is bullshit. And I get a lot of feedback from people I grew up with that are like, man, I wish they knew that all you used to do was doodle in class and on the chalkboard. And, you know, I was, I'm, you know, I've come to realize I'm dramatically more creative than I've thought about. Even the way as, as an entrepreneur, I've always thought of it as creativity, but I thought of it as strategy, you know, mm-hmm. even though in a lot, so many ways I now see them the same. And so, um, you know, I think, I think for me, when I talk about being a businessman at six, seven, and eight, there was a piece of content I put out recently where, you know, I do this thing called trash talk where I go garage sailing and I put out YouTube videos to teach people that it's out there. And I give this young girl $20 for her lemonade and I'm walking back to the car and I'm talking about the reason I did that was that happened to me when I was 10. Some guy stopped on a bike, filled up his lemonade and he gave us a $10 bill and you know, I'm a 45 year old man. I was eight years old. So it was 10 cents back then. Well, it was $10, which was like $4,000. It was actually the reverse, right? right? It was was $10. No, I mean, lemonade, your lemonade was 10 cents. My (laughs) lemonade was actually maybe 25 cents, but we've sold at 10 cents back then. So maybe. And, and, and so, you know, in the comments, just the amount of, it's amazing how cynicism is so prevalent. Like, that never happened. That never happened. And like, you know, a couple of my, both Marissa Bird and Robbie Turnick, who both happened to be there, were like, no, that really happened. And it's something we've talked about. For, and so, you know, it's, it's this really fun journey. I've gone on a tangent. The answer is I'm not sure. I've been doing it so much for so long. I genuinely believe the talent of, of human intuition was always there but the refinement of these yeah. natural emotional skills, being a leader of my friends at six, like I was, to you know, being 14 and being the son of the father who owned the liquor store and interacting with clients and with employees. You know, at 22, I was running the business, like for real. So I yeah. just think I've, you know, at 45 years old, I have so much pattern recognition and wisdom of reps from a kid, my mom last night sitting right here was saying how often I spent time with 80 year olds as a four year old, just would gravitate towards it. And so, you know, it's fun. I think, I think, um, 
I think I'm very onto something with this book. I think it's gonna really leave a positive impact, this conversation. And I think I'm gonna build an empire, but I'm gonna do it with honey, not vinegar. Well, it doesn't, uh, I, I wouldn't disagree seeing where you've set your ambitions in the past and what you've been able to achieve. Something that's important, to, I think, to establish in this conversation, and I know we're one of the earlier podcasts you've done in support of your new book, I want to get firmly on the table that this is, that these are, these are skills that are trainable and practicable, and once you have the awareness, the the understanding of what it is you're trying to cultivate that you can actually do this. So if someone sees themselves as not emotionally intelligent or has that, what I would say is a bad habit you articulated earlier around packaging candor in a shit sandwich because it, it, it is actually under the guise of like, Hey, I'm going to be direct. Correct. You know, and then, and, and th- that's a terrible way of delivering say feedback. That's where you've wrapped it in kindness. So these, these concepts are not something that are removed from other skills or or the practice, if you will, of creativity, of understanding that you're creating and engaging in it. So for the people who don't see themselves that way, would you give them a message about what you feel is possible um, using the ingredients of your book with the their own emotional intelligence? I think a lot of people are looking for permission to bring their strengths on the EQ side to the business world. And I think I've been doing that, but not communicating it as much. And that's why this is so aha for me. This is why people I deeply admire who I think consume a lot of content like yourself will say, I think this is the one. It makes a lot of sense to me because it is in the same way Crush It was the one. It was like, I was uncomfortably right in that book, which is like, hey, you're going to be able to make money not by having a job and not by having a startup. And like, the creator economy is ungodly in exactly the way I laid it out. Same here. I don't think it's going to be uncommon for people to believe that empathy and kindness and patience are like the alpha shit, not sharp elbows, not negotiation. Like when I hear things like don't take it personal, it's just business. I'm like, what part of cruelty is acceptable in any scenario? Right, when I think about people not realizing the world's abundant and actually want to tear down other people's, like you can't imagine how much I want everything to happen for you and everybody that looks like you and I, right? Like, yep. like the level of cheering I have for everybody who's a personality who might be amassing attention through content. That's why I've always loved your platform. I want everybody on it to, like I don't think like Tim Ferriss or Kevin Rose or Arlen Hamilton or like, like Brooke Morin, like I don't think any of their attention that they get for what they do, even though it might be tangentially touching what I do, is taking out of me. No. And I and I want people to I'm very competitive. Like this is not about like like I, I again, I don't know how hardcore you read it, skimmed it, got a sense of it, but like this is not written in the sense of like oh, let's be fluffy, fluffy and eighth place trophy. Like like tenacity <laughs> is one of the 12 and a half. There's nothing soft about tenacity, right? Ambition. These are real things, you know, but but I, I think people are confused. I think people yeah. are confused. And then we had this whole era and this is where this, this book is actually seeded probably 10 years ago, maybe 12 when I realized, oh no, 
a lot of these kids think it's cool to be mean because Steve Jobs was considered mean. Yeah. And I remember thinking, man, if I ever get to as big as I think I'm going to get, because I thought it, and not that I'm Steve Jobs now, but like I have enough attention and enough success and enough pattern recognition and have seen it and witnessed it in enough other places, because it's not a focus group of one, that I feel like maybe this conversation, and I've been doing it quietly in my social, and I think I really want this book to go viral because I want it to change the temperament of leaders. It's, I'm gonna do a little full circle moment here. So I'm sitting about 10 feet from when you were a wine guy and I'd seen your shit on Viddler and I had one of the first, certainly the first live show on the internet and one of the first podcasts and invited you, it was right after Crush It and I believe uh, in parallel to what you're saying that this book that you've written here, 12 and a half, rivals the timeliness, the uh, vision that Crush It did. We sat about 12 feet away from you. Actually, <laughs> at one moment, you got on my lap, which was awesome. <laughs> <I remember>. <laughs> <laughs> but and, and we talked about the same thing, about what the future was going to tell about the moment that we were living in right there. And uh, you or, or we were, I think, right on that. And I believe that, as I mentioned, that, that cycle of social media was very valuable and it became understood that it was valuable when we could measure it. I think the same thing is true with the traits that you talk about here. There's an understanding uh, Chase, amongst what, the people who what, are doing it. What, what, what trait do you think, it doesn't even have to be one of the 12 and a half, that you think you've most gotten better at? As simple as that. Most mm. you have gotten stronger at in, as your career has evolved? Easy, empathy, mm. no question. My worldview was built very much on hard charging, you know, uh, there's a way and it's my way. And, you know, as you mentioned, Whoever's being in a leader, the way. totally. And you mentioned being a leader. I've been the, you know, the captain of every sports team I've ever played on. Yeah, the, you know, the, the, yeah, all of those things were true. And ironically, and I will say actually sadly for me, that was culturally reinforced over and over and over. Of course. And, and when I, I remember started working with my wife, Kate, she came in and was producing these, you know, photo shoots from all over the world. And we have very different styles. We're very complimentary. And I was sort of telling her how to get the best price on the helicopter to fly to the thing. And, and, you know, and my tactics were <laughs> just, just like, in China. It, yeah. Oh, oh, or worse. And, she is the like the kindest, sweetest person in the whole world. And I watched her get further, negotiate better, have lasting relationships that, in a matter that, of yeah, with that, that. And it was me, me, me and my dad. My dad, I always, you know, I always say, Dad, you're a better negotiator than me, but I don't fully believe it. And I always like, and he knows that I don't. He may win the battle, but he lost every war. He might have gotten yes. 50 cents more off that bottle, but we, I watched because I started at 14. We didn't, not only did we not get good deals from those wineries anymore at times, people figured out my dad's game and I could tell because I was so in tune that they were starting at higher price points, yeah. right? So they made him yeah. feel accomplished in his negotiation. But, you know, I 
I, I think that's right. I, you know, when I talk about this, and I want everybody to hear this, in a world we live in now, very polarizing, left, right, blue, red, this isn't about, okay, let's like take the teeth out of business. Like this is very much a business and life book, like for achievement, for success. And there is absolutely like, it's a game. It's the best way I can put it is I think of it like football, which I obviously, you know, I love a lot. Surprise. <laughs> when they play football, they beat the living shit out of each other and they go hard. But when the game is over, and this drives me crazy as a fan because I'm mad that we lost and I don't want you to buddy-buddy with the other guy. We just lost. But they ask how the wife is. I mean, I've, you know, now I'm very into that world. They talk about things like, hey, I'd love to give a donation to your charity. You'd be blown away by the stuff that's actually being talked on the field and you know this, but like yeah. you did at a younger level, like this is the professional level and I see business that way. This is win, let's win. But believe it or not, back like your your incredible partner there, you can yeah. win with more hearts than daggers. For sure. And to see it and in turn that helped me deconstruct what she was doing and recognize that as soon as you can, you know, experience some of the challenges that someone else is experiencing and at work and that realize that they have a boss and connect around the fact that it's hard and we're just going to both try and do right by one another or, you know, or some myriad well, no, example. No, there you, know, very, you know, it was very empowerful there. One thing I talk a lot about in this book is optimism. If you've yeah. decided it's bad, it's already bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, like if you just, like cynicism and pessimism is a game changer for people. It is awful. It is a, it is a game over before you started. I have room in my life for a lot of things and in my business for a lot of things. Cynicism is not one of them. Me too, I, I literally, I, I got, like I got, all. I, I got no space for it. So again, real, real I, quick, I, the other thing that I want to just say real quick, good. I asked D-Rock the other day, like, Hey, so what hit you? Cause we just did the audio book and he was filmed the making of it, then the book. And he's like, it's the perspective part. It's when you talk about like, a billion people not having clean water. Like it's truly, like what I realized in this book, and I didn't really put the nail in the coffin, but it's very clear to me what I did in this book. The other thing I did in this book in hindsight was talk about something I never talk about. I'm not even sure I've articulated this yet in content, so here you go. I can't, even as I'm about to try right now, ever fully articulate to people how little I think business matters. There is something, yeah, I will. I love what I do. I love my process. I love the game. I'm all that I appear to be from a passion standpoint about this. But if, if the concept of business was wiped off the earth tomorrow, I'm incredibly okay with that. Like to me, it just doesn't mean that much. And people have so much pressure in the workplace especially entrepreneurs and employees. Yeah. And like, I'm just, I realized, oh, I'm, you know, they say like a desperate fighter is a dangerous fighter in a boxing match. And I feel like it's really weird to say this, this balance of massive ambition, massive, with equal content is mind boggling. And a lot of what I undertone in this book is like, you can eliminate a lot of anxiety 
if you realize what actually matters. Well, it's been enjoyable watching that evolve from days where you and I were putting videos on Viddler. Remember there was no yes, YouTube? of course. <laughs> and I, I liked it because you could like pick which dot, you could see which wine I drank. I mean, even when there was YouTube, I wanted to be on Viddler because I thought the tagging mattered so much for my content. Yeah, and it turns out that that's now Google searching inside of video so that yes. you can do exactly that. What is it? It's 15 years later now. The fact that we've been doing this for 15, uh, 15 years together is that's fun. a little bit of a head scratcher and fun for me. The fact uh, that you uh, look younger 15 years later is the real <laughs> head scratcher. Let's all give this man a lot of love. Please leave that comment on social of how right I am about that. Uh, well, we need to get together again soon. Before I let you go, man, I've got a couple of things about, and I'm going to read a text that you sent me a short while ago. Chase, my man, where are you with NFTs? <laughs> and we mentioned your auction at Christie's, which is is exceptional um, in in many ways, but I don't think it's separate from this book. And here's here's I'm going to make the connection, and then I want you to talk about NFTs. The connection between the book is awareness, empathy, connection, these soft skills historically referred to as soft, but actually are the core. There's just, there's a, um, like a, a, an awareness of, um, who you are, where the opportunities are, uh, and you am, you are embracing NFTs, uh, early and big because they are going to be so huge. Um, what's let's let's give a, a the shortest crash course that you feel like you can on the gv lens on nft asap okay digital ownership is here and that's it like it's an incredibly simple statement but it's incredibly difficult for everybody because we've just gone through 20 years of non-digital ownership all of us listening grew up with 20 plus years of the internet more where you didn't own it. As a matter of fact, even the people that own the IP didn't own it. So it was the extreme other way. We were all using creative freedom with all this stuff. We were almost taught that. Like people started realizing the attention was worth more than the actual monetizing of the expression. It's what hurt Major League Baseball. They tried to monetize everything so you couldn't find any of their content on social except their channels and the sport decreased in popularity. We all bought into that and there's an incredible level of truth to that. Comma, we now have something called blockchains. <laughs> blockchains can understand who owns certain things and we will now start owning certain things no different than owning a sheep in Farmville or a outfit in you know, Fortnite, and, and, the, and the things we will buy will follow the things like Mercedes, Cartier. We will express ourselves through our ownership. I would never flash a half a million dollars in a bank account. I will tomorrow flash my proud ownership of a crypto punk. That's how humans work. That's how, why we buy art. That's why we do things. Even if we're not talking about extreme wealth or wealth or even middle-class wealth, Let's just talk about why somebody wants a pair of Air Jordans at the end of the day, right? It's expression. And the same way you care about a blue check mark, whether you do or not, we can all agree many do. The same way you care about following count, whether you do or not, I think we can all agree billions do. 
Well, that's what's about to happen with what's in your wallet. And I believe your public wallet will become a greater insight to who you are than even the pictures you post on social because they're less manipulatable. Um, And so I think this digital ownership and expression and then the underlining technology of NFTs where you can transfer leases and homes and it's, it's profound. It is profound. It is internet one, internet two. This is why it's called internet three. NFTs are the biggest thing that's happened since social 05 or internet 95. And everybody listening must, must, please, for your, I mean, it's not gonna take any skin out of my back, but please, if you're listening to this, knowing this audience, please spend 20 hours of real homework and don't say no or whatever or nah, say maybe and then build. All right, very, very uh, real world scenario. UGV give me advice right now on NFTs. You need to spend 20 hours so that you can put out a project and sell some original photography with access to you underneath it just to learn. (laughs) For a man of many words, that was pretty good. (laughs) Tight. You're, You're tight in your program, aren't you? I just, it'll be so easy for you because you care about community. You'll understand that, oh, okay, I'm gonna take these 25 photos I've never shown anybody in the world. I'm gonna NFT them. I will, whoever buys it, I'll give them the physical print and I will give all 25 of them an evening, a, a full day with me, a working session and a dinner. And I have a funny feeling 25 people will buy that NFT. And, I, and by the way, I would be one of those people. Why? I believe in your career. I believe in your future. And I would say to myself, oh, I might be able to sell that NFT for a profit in 12 years as he continues to ascend. It's not super complicated. All right. What's the, uh, what's the insight? We've talked about uh, emotional intelligence, your new book, 12 and a half NFTs. I'm trying to use those as just very cornerstone examples of the work that you're doing now. What is the thing that is not on the radar now that has that that you are equally for me for me for me it will be long form storytelling there is no scenario of me leaving this world without me putting out meaningful television and film Mm. i just have too many stories that i want to tell Mm. what's the first one going to (sighs) be There's a basketball player by the name of Connie Hawkins who got banned from the NBA. And I think it's an incredibly important story because I think it's unjust. And so that's on my mind. Um, and then, and then you know, I'll probably get forced into animation. V Friends is insane what I'm actually doing. Yeah. And so, you know, probably my first at bat will be where I am right now in V Friends land, an animated film or movie around Patient Panda and Empathy Elephant, who I do think are my Woody and Buzz Buzz Lightyear. You know, those are the two kind of like alphas of the Optimus Prime and, you know, kind of the the, the alphas in my universe. So we'll see, but I have have a lot, most of what I'm gonna do is gonna sit under the foundation of these emotional traits, right? Like humanity. Man. Uh, well, I've, I've always enjoyed our conversations. Uh, I want to keep this one tight. 
Uh, congratulations Thank on the you. new book. The Christie's thing is huge. And if you, you if you haven't been following along, you've been living under a rock, look that one up because it's a good one. Uh, uh, Gary cracked a Millie through a Christie's auction uh with a hand with a hand. <laughs> i mean you can't even keep a straight face it's fucking it's just amazing. so real and and by it's the way amazing. i think by the way on on the record let nobody be confused the laughing is like nervous excitement but totally but there will be no chance that that will not be a good investment for the people that bought it i am going to build disney i'm going to now i might you know maybe i pass too soon maybe whatever but i do believe over the next 30 years that I will make these characters incredibly culturally relevant. And, you know, I'm obsessed with over-delivering for everybody who owns a V-Friend NFT or the five people that now own the original art. Well, uh, do not doubt that for a half second. I don't think I've doubted you. I do enjoy every once in a while seeing our sometimes mutual friends, aka like Chris Saka, for example, talking a little shit here and there. And then, uh, uh, we creators and entrepreneurs have a way of, uh, of being right. We've been wrong plenty of times, but it's been fun to watch. You got an outstanding track The best track part record. about Sokka, the best part about the way I like to roll too, is we all love to have hot takes. I think his is a little bit tongue in cheek. He's actually, I think, just being incredibly nice to me, giving some love to this project. But, um, you know, it's really, really cool to watch a lot of us evolve over the last 15 years. And I'm like excited for the next 15. I can't wait to see which solid, solid, solid acquaintance or friend or very good friend becomes governors and presidents. And oh, like, like, you know, our generation, our call it 38 to 52 crew is now going into that next year. And uh, I just think it's going to be a lot of fun to see how it all breaks out. It is. If life is seasons, I'm very much looking forward to the next season. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of, a lot of folks that are in our friend circles and, people that uh, those listening and watching now would know on the internet who are doing exciting things. It makes it uh, very fun to be a part of this show included. Appreciate your time. Always Cheers, my man. Brother. We got lots, lots you. to connect on uh, offline. You. Love you as well, yes. man. Be I well. This book's, Cheers. this book's going to crush. Thank Go you. get them. Thank you. See you my bay. See you bud. All right. Hey, thanks so much for listening. But, and before you go, I wanted to say I really appreciate you joining me today. These conversations are the highlights of my week and I'm always learning uh, something new from these guests, hopefully alongside you and you get value. Now, I know that so many of you have asked how you can support the podcast. Uh, we're sponsored by Creative Live. They foot the bill so I don't have to put ads for uh, underwear or cheap sunglasses or anything else like that uh, at the front end of the podcast. So just a handful of thoughts here. First, the hardworking, talented crew at Creative Live would love it. We would all love it if you are a subscriber uh, to Creative Live for you know 149 bucks a year, you get access to 2,000 classes. Um, if you are not, if you want to check that out, that's at creativelive.com/slash/creatorpass, all in word. Also, importantly, sharing the takeaways and providing links to the show for any of the platforms that you've got social reach or a footprint. Even if your community is small, I believe that's the best way to spread the show. Small. Uh, connected, like-minded communities. Um, also, leaving a review uh, at any of the platforms where you listen to the show is huge for having it come up early in search results. So just a, a couple ways that you can help support the show. Uh, most of them are free. Uh, if you do want to check out the Creator Pass, I think you would love the subscription to Creative Live. But I just want you to know I am so grateful 
And um, hopefully you enjoyed this episode and are, are get your knees bent waiting for the next one to come out, which is probably, I don't know, tomorrow or the next day, or we will never stop. Thanks for being a part of the show.